Hi, this is Tom Talks Movies for Loughborough Campus Radio. I'm here primarily to satisfy my own desires and talk about the films I like and dislike. Sometimes I'll do that by myself and sometimes I'll be here with my mates. Secondarily, I'm hopefully here to help you satisfy your desires to hear some quality film discussion on the latest releases and cinema classics. Today I'm going to do a focus on The Joker, a film from writer-director Todd Phillips, based on the infamous Batman villain from a long line of DC Comics history. I don't want to alienate the people who haven't seen the film, so I'm going to try and delve heavily into some major plot points. If that isn't for you, you know what to do, but I'm going to try and break up the show into some different segments, but mostly move through the film in chronological order. My overall thoughts on the film... um, well, it was sort of a very competent movie. Uh, the film adopts some of the backstory from the comics, where the Joker is called Arthur Fleck. From the opening scenes, it's clear that Arthur suffers from an unspecified mental illness, meaning no Ace Chemicals incident this time, akin to your Tim Burton, Michael Keaton Batman with Jack Nicholson as the Joker, or even Jared Leto in The Suicide Squad, which we don't want to talk about. Um, I said The Joker was a very competent movie, but my overall thing with it was that it's incredibly tough to find something original or revolutionary within it. Technically the score is incredibly engaging, and I'll point out some of those scenes later where it was particularly noticeable, but from a story point of view it felt mostly bland, and one redeeming element I did find was the choice to make Joker's laugh some kind of condition felt fresh and new. In those moments when he's laughing while almost crying, the character teeters between feeling sympathetic and pitiful. The film starts ticking off um, a bit of a criteria for movie psychopath checklist. So, of course, he lives with his mom, acting as a carer. She was played by Frances Conroy, amazing actress. Um, and he gets by on his medication, weekly therapy sessions, and focusing on his job as a street clown. The therapy sessions themselves like lead to a very weird sort of plot point where his social worker tells him that he's no longer going to be able to receive therapy because the funding's been cut for the program. Then completely unprompted she says something like they don't care about people like you or people like me. Remember I've only seen the film once so if that's not the exact quote I apologise but it's very close. Um, But that statement was the major implication of the scene anyway. It's frustrating because the script in some senses feels so unnecessary, like it lacks the subtlety or intelligence for a better movie. Anyway, I guess the director doesn't trust us to understand what's going on. Clearly we're meant to understand her frustration that she can't help people at her job the way she wants to. I don't know, but this line just doesn't work. In all their previous meetings, she's never connected with Arthur. In fact, she barely listens to him. She's kind of portrayed as part of the problem for Arthur. Most of the time he's talking and it cuts to her, she's just looking at him in amusement or boredom. So why would she say something as on the nose or even as inflammatory as they don't care about people like you or people like me? Just, I don't know, dumb. You've got a brooding, unstable man who's about to be taken off his meds. It just feels clumsy and feels like it lowers the IQ of the whole movie to have have the script tell you something in such certain terms. It also makes the character come off really strangely. It's as if they can't show her being sympathetic to Arthur, or connecting with him, or actually helping him. Because for the film's main thesis statement to work, everyone in every facet of Arthur's life has to be dismissive or have wronged him in some way. The people in Arthur's life do naturally have an effect on him. He's sort of got his colleagues at the clown agency he works for, 
and when he's hired by this canal agency to, to flip an advertising board he gets violently assaulted by a group of kids that steal his sign and beat him over the head with it this is a bit of an eye roll moment because you sort of understand the blatantness of what's going on on screen he's hit over the head with the sign that says everything must go what on the backdrop of gotham city sort of uh failing there's the news articles about super rats and garbage everywhere it's, it's very on the nose um but fortunately the shot of him lying down broken on the floor following the assault is uh, without doubt one of the best in the film something about the low camera position focusing on arthur's broken body as if the whole city is bearing down on him um really goes above and beyond what the film the film's usual visual communication efforts and naturally, this kicks off a series of events that will take Arthur down a very dark path. Arthur then meets a friendly single mother named Sophie in his apartment building. She was played by the actors as he beats, who did very well with a limited amount of screen time. This part particularly is quite nitpicky on my part, but there's a scene where Joker's mum talks about their apartment and how it would make Thomas Wayne sick if he saw it. It's a two-bedroom apartment in the middle of Gotham City that looked okay i mean how can arthur afford that on a clown salary i'm not passing judgment just okay that took me out of the film slightly i don't know um anyway the two um the two characters sophie and arthur in the apartment block seem to hit it off and actually embark on a bit of a romance something always seemed a bit off about it to begin with she's fine with him stalking her at the start and eventually we find out why as the film progresses, there's a bit of a twist, and it's revealed that Arthur was actually imagining all of his dates with the woman and embracing the delusion of companionship. This is fully confirmed when he walks into her apartment and she wrecks with fear, barely recalling his name. The twist, however, doesn't I don't know, doesn't carry a great deal of weight because we already we're already clued in on the fact that Arthur, the Joker, has delusions that he's crazy. Um, there's been scenes beforehand, and then particularly at that moment of the reveal, they do really corny blatant um sort of cutback flashback scenes to detail how he's imagined her and when he was doing his stand-up comedy that she wasn't actually watching he just pictured her there it was again trying to be more intelligent well actually in this case it was less intelligent than it needs to be i think he could trust the audience to make that connection Following uh, the assault from the kids, um, a fellow clown colleague gives Arthur a gun, and on a different job at a children's hospital, it falls out of his pocket, so Arthur is fired. Another uh, movie psychopath checklist criteria ticked off, he loses his job. His boss tells him that the same work colleague that gave him the gun denied all knowledge and actually said that Arthur tried to sell it to him. Another example of this personal betrayal and confusion within Arthur's head it's starting to feel like we're going over well-covered ground. Now moving on, that now a more pivotal scene in the film, um, the subway sequence where Arthur's are taking the train home, he's mocked and assaulted by three Wall Street jocks, and at this point the score is starting to rise, it becomes very noticeable. Um, I know uh, the score was composed by an Icelandic musician, um, but I will not try and pronounce her name because it will go horribly wrong. Um, so, feeling nervous, uncomfortable, concerned, Arthur can only begin unlaughing controllably. They've set up his character in that terms quite well. In those terms quite well. Um, so, they begin to target him. Joaquin Phoenix's performance really stands out. The ticks, the subtleties, the nuance of 
his coughing, the physical, the mix of the physical performance with the delivering of the dialogue. Um, Arthur guns two of them down violently and chases the third outside the train where he mercilessly executes him on the steps to the street above. Afterwards, there's a haunting scene of Arthur dancing slowly in the bathroom, preparing to fully embrace a whole new persona. All these scenes, since he leaves work, just have, they do feel incredibly poignant within the whole two hours, um, a turning point in the film. It wasn't just because of the story, I think the, the score really reflected the tone of the scene more accurately and with more genuine power than anywhere else in the film. There's a weird sort of um, focus on the Joker not being political. There are, there are those lines in the script, noticeably sort of in the scene, the talk show scene, getting towards the end with Robert De Niro, where he's not trying to make a statement. Um, he claims he's not political, and if he's to, believe, to be believed, it begs the question of what does Arthur want? What does the Joker sort of want to achieve? Um, the best glimpse of what he wants to have has to be what we see within the fantasy sequences, his delusions. In those moments, the praise he gets off other characters seems to show how he wants to be perceived. There are some examples of this where it does actually fit the narrative, like with Murray, the talk show host, Robert De Niro. However, in the case of the love interest, the delusion stands out much more. On one of these fake dates we mentioned earlier, she looks at the newsstand and sees the headlines about the riots all over Gotham that Arthur's inspired by shooting the Wall Street guys. And she says something along the lines of, that guy's a hero. That naturally leads us to believe that Arthur wants to be seen as a hero. But by extension, you then assume that he does want to start the movement and he's happy about what's happened. And even if it wasn't his initial goal, and he contradicts that later. I get that he's crazy, and I could believe that he's not sure what he wants or that he's being dishonest on the talk show later. But at the same time, there's in context, in context and in text contradictions for all his aims. Joker is kind of a weird character to do a character study on. I know the phrase is mainly attributed to Heath Ledger's Joker, but he's an agent of chaos. This character study is trying to get inside the head of a character who inherently undermines being understood. Does that make sense? Now the Wayne family um, were were frustrating in this film. I think Thomas Wayne was portrayed well and was an important part of the story, but the focus on them felt um, undeserved within the focus on Joker's story. Joaquin Phoenix appeared in potentially every frame of the film, or it felt like it. Um, and yet, I think there were people in the audience waiting for a scene with young Bruce Wayne. It wasn't part of this story. It wasn't necessary. So... So, looking at characters who were more important to the story and should have had more of a focus, you're looking at someone like Penny Fleck, Arthur's mother. She'd been an instrumental character in like the sort of first hour understanding Arthur's day-to-day -day life. Um, but she's, in her little plot, is that she's obsessed with mayoral candidate Thomas Wayne, who supposedly used to employ her. She writes in multiple letters, none of which are ever responded to. After the subway murders, Arthur decides to read her latest letter to Wayne and discovers that Wayne is his actual real father. Upon confronting his mother about this, he decides to seek out the Wayne family and winds up running into a young Bruce Wayne. For a film with time to show multiple lengthy dance scenes, we move through this 
plot at rapid pace, mainly because it's only properly introduced in the second half. There's only an hour left. Still confused by the whole situation, as I kind of think the audience is too, Arthur tries to get answers from Thomas Wayne, who was played by Brett Cullen. He sort of did what he could with the role, but didn't really come across superbly. Um, but Arthur disguises himself as a bellboy in a very uh, classic Joker way, very prone to disguises, having to find different ways to outsmart Batman and disguise um, from the animated show. Um, it was sort of with Joker's interpretations there um, and the way Mark Hamill voiced him throughout sort of the Arkham games and in uh, different TV shows. Um, the comedy of the character um, and him having fun with who he is I think really came out for the first time. We got a hint of that for the first time in the scene where he dressed up as the bellboy. Things, however, don't go well and as Wayne denies being Arthur's father and ruthlessly reveals that he never even slept with his former employee, um, he does reveal that she spent some time in Arkham Psychiatric Hospital back when he knew her. When Arthur begins to laugh maniacally, you know, sort of what he gets up to and grows angry, Wayne punches, punches him and without remorse returns to his seat. We're probably getting towards an hour and twenty, maybe an hour and a half into the film by now and even at this stage I couldn't help but question sort of what the point of the film was, what was it about? It presents itself as something superior, like it has a couple of things to say, it's got a serious, sad tone, but doesn't really commit to any of them. Looking particularly at the Thomas Wayne stuff, is it? could it be about the unfairness of class disparity in Gotham City? The portrayal of Thomas Wayne definitely comes across as something pretty generically evil. I mean, he's confronted by a seemingly non-violent mentally, mentally ill bloke, and he just punches him in the face and calls poor people clowns on the news. It's what incites all the riots in Gotham City. He's totally at fault for everything that later comes his way. Generally speaking about the world building for Gotham City, I really enjoyed it. I think it didn't not necessarily come as close to the level of world building in Tim Burton and Michael Keaton's Batman in what was it, nineteen eighty nine? Um because that stuff was like really showed the gothic side of Gotham City. I think um the gargoyles, all the sort of incurred like the sort of cathedral um some beautiful set design um, and I might be wrong here but it sort of looked like it was strongly based off New York City I'm not sure of where they shot it but I wouldn't be surprised if it was there um, but the semi frustrating thing was the like it happens in a lot of Whacking Phoenix features but there was such an abundance of close-up shots that there was there was then a correlating lack of establishing shots um, Don't get me wrong, there must have been, there was like, I don't know, at least eight, I, I remember counting about eight establishing shots, that's the stupid number to claim, but all of which happened in the first 45 minutes. An establishing shot is one of the most useful shots in cinematography, it's typically a wide shot and the open of a scene, but it tells the audience where and sometimes when the next scene will occur. While this seems like simple information to convey, there are several ways to employ such a shot, and noticeably I think it gives time for the film to breathe. I reckon a bit more time between Arthur's actions and the next scene would have given the audience more time to question and think about the moral dilemmas the film was presenting. <coughs> so he's he's starting to take on the Joker persona and I think the problem is that it doesn't feel necessarily like a, a very gradual process. It kind of feels like each scene happens sequentially 
without the complexities of each scene affecting the next. So, still not convinced, Arthur goes to Arkham to check his mother's records. The hospital attendant there can't reveal any details and Arthur aggressively steals the file and uncovers the shocking truth. The mentally ill woman Arthur believed to be his mother actually adopted him and the police report reveals that she was one of her boyfriend that one of her boyfriends sexually abused him as a child. This results in another point in Arthur's fall. Arthur brutally suffocates the woman he thought was his mother Penny Fleck in hospital with a pillow now saying something like he views his life as a comedy i thought it was a tragedy but now it's a comedy and it's it does come across sad but i think the scene could have been sadder um it's almost portrayed as a natural progression whereas i feel like going from killing three randomers on a subway to killing someone that he's cared for throughout the film and sort of now still has a deep connection with i think it's quite a big leap to make anyway uh, on the side arthur's stagnant life as a stand-up comic leads to a representative for arthur's favorite talk show host murray franklin calling arthur and asks him to come on the show and discuss a video of his excruciating stand-up act that murray mocked earlier in the movie the whole talk show thing is so obviously inspired by scorsese's king of comedy as it is in a lot of tonal aspects. Todd Phillips, the director here, has previously said a director's main role is to be a purveyor of tones. Handily, the film does have a very consistent tone and it does make it easier to stay invested. Alongside the King of Comedy references, I think it's not surprising to hear that Martin Scorsese was originally listed as a executive producer early in the early in the film's development. Things like Taxi Driver, so blatantly um not ripped off but just um the inspiration for the film and you do have elements of joker's comic book history um that are pretty noticeably inspired too um something like the killing joke uh, which got a sort of feature animation film not too long ago um is really sort of obviously connected they haven't they haven't there isn't that much aside from the mental illness aspect and the laugh that Phil's knew about this this picture. As Fleck prepares by putting on makeup and holding a gun to his head, two of his former or two former colleagues, one of whom gave him the gun originally that he dropped at the hospital, drop by to make sure Arthur never said anything to the police. Arthur erupts in violence, brutally stabbing the bigger man to death with scissors, and he shows a glimmer of humanity that allows the the little guy to live telling him he was the only one who ever was nice. There isn't really a payoff to this little glimmer of hope, in fact it kind of adds to some of the sympathetic elements that his backstory alluded to, but eventually we just lose entirely. Arthur arrives for Murray Franklin's talk show appearance, asking the host to introduce him as Joker. He's, he's sort of gone through his transformation scene this one, the hair has been dyed green, um, but he sort of begins the show by telling some off-colour jokes, which are fine, the comedy career that's been set up, fine. Um, but then admitting that he killed the man on the subway, again, fine, unstable guy, not going to get too deep on that. And the way Whacking Things performs it makes you still believe he's in character and it's all sound on that sense. 
but Franklin soon realises he's not joking, but continues to agonise the clearly unstable guest. Initially, it seemed as if Arthur had intended to kill himself live on air, but he decides to tell one final joke, and frankly, it's painfully stupid. The film doesn't deserve to have you, the audience take it both ways. You can't have a movie about a mentally ill man's tragic descent into further madness, then also have an ending where he gives a big, really coherent speech where he's a mouthpiece for the director, the writer-director, about how nobody wants a fourth Hangover movie. This scene is absurd. There's a line where he says, "Do you? What do you get when you cross a mentally ill loner with a society that ignores him and treats him like trash? You get what you deserve. He then shoots Robert in the eye in the face. And it's it really, it's like, does the writer-director also believe this? Because is this what the movie's about? Is it in support of the Joker shooting De Niro in the head? Because contextually it kind of seems that way with what Todd Phillips has been saying in interviews that people are so easily offended these days. He sort of couldn't, he's moved from uh, comedies of the Hangover movies to um, War Dogs, which I think featured Jonah Hill. Um, and now, again, another, sort of another drama type picture with Joker. Um, personally, it just feels clumsy and unrealistic for a mentally ill movie character to outright state that they're mentally ill in order to give the movie some kind of thesis statement. I also think it's super weird that even though he's in full Joker mode and shooting people, he says mentally ill instead of crazy as though not wanting to offend anyone. This is what I mean when I say I think the sort of script has been repurposed to fit the Joker because they wanted to make a story about mental health care and underfunding. And they've, but the Joker, he does have mental health issues, but it's never been addressed like that before. It's been addressed from a point of craziness, actual craziness, the complete opposite of Batman's social justice and order pursuit. Um, in that sense, it just um, really, it sort of feels out of character that last scene for him to behave in such a way. Now with the the sort of that was an ending. There is another ending. It's one of those sort of films that keeps going. Um, as the Joker is being taken to prison, um, an ambulance crashes into the side of the car, and a pair of mask-wearing sort of rioters um, just uh, free him from the back of the car. Now Joker in his final triumphant dancing scene is probably the third or fourth in the film um, sort of he's dancing on the bonnet of the car the city erupts in chaos around him and he paints a smile on his face using his own blood I really like that scene um, it felt like a more organic um, way of transfixing the Joker makeup on his face I enjoyed the whole work for the clown agency thing but I think the makeup felt more um natural than say Jack Nicholson's portrayal in the Tim Burton movie where sort of fell in the vat of acid it was a bit ridiculous um but we the, really frustratingly we cut to Thomas and Martha Wayne being gunned down in an alley in front of their son and as he begins to laugh or the joke begins to laugh we briefly cut to Bruce Wayne standing in shock as his parents lay dead at his feet I I noticed myself audibly groan in the cinema not like loudly i'm not an idiot in the cinema i don't annoy people but when you saw joe frost kill bruce's parents thomas and martha it's so just out of left field for, for this particular storyline 
Thomas Wayne was a key part of the story in terms of um, hated by the rioters and an enemy for uh, the Joker. And his death just services a different story instead of the one we're going to see on screen. We're not going to see a sequel to this film. There isn't going to be um, Joaquin Phoenix in 30 years' time facing an, a new Batman. Um, it's clear they wanted to... I've said this before, but it's clear they wanted to make a film about our society. Admittedly, it didn't go perfectly. I think there's problems with it. But they just repurposed that story for Arthur Fleck's journey to sell tickets. It's a good marketing ploy. You put the DC name on it. Despite the DCEU's flop over the last couple of years, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Justice League, all sort of being disastrous. Um, but because Arthur Fleck's journey in this film was just about Arthur and it was a statement on our society, the Bruce Wayne content felt so shoehorned in, it was completely redundant. My sort of concluding feelings on just actually the sort of story of the film was that the, the talk show scene has been set up and talked about since as if it was the centrepiece of the film and yet I'm still lost as to what the point of the film was. If we're meant to believe Arthur that he doesn't stand for anything which is kind of a big if, is that what the movie's about? Is it about how violent criminals are just unhinged, shouldn't be looked to as heroes or symbols? But then why does he get to have such a big speech at the end of the movie about how the world has wronged him? And why suddenly he's capable of delivering a coherent mission statement at the moment in the film when he's supposed to be the craziest. Is this movie really about the underfunding of mental health care? Because even when Arthur was in treatment, his doctors seemed indifferent. It didn't appear to be helping him, and they even suggest that when he's off medication he's healthier and more in control of himself. So is the message that nobody should be on medication? We have a zoomed in online in this notebook where it says the worst part about having a mental illness is that people expect you to behave as if you don't. It's a nice line, genuinely. Um, but the message to embrace the idea of people having strange tics or social disorders and not expect a degree of normality. That's fine, but that just can't be the theme because for Arthur, accepting himself and liking who he is directly correlates to him murdering people. So I hate to say it, but given the choice between murdering people and conforming, I'd, well, I'd rather that Arthur conformed. <coughs> now, um, just like, part of a film's reception is, of course, sort of the online discussion. The, the most interesting part of the film, I think, is not necessarily watching it, it's having the discussion and chatting with your mates about it afterwards. Um, Joker has been a very divisive film. It's... I think it's more des des divisive than it deserves to be, but not just in terms of critical reaction, but the online debate. Prior to the film's release, it was the subject of some like really, really good uh, quality sort of copy pasta memes, the Reddit, film, Twitter, letterbox, those sort of sites. Specifically, in the case where some idiots thought the film was going to glorify incel culture, the meme peaked with the notorious Black Panther comparison satire. It reads. Well, I'm going to read it, but... Um, this film is my Black Panther. This movie empowered me. It helped me get over my rejection from the female known as Veronica, who'd rather date a Chad instead of a true gentleman who would treat her well. Amazing cinematography and a great performance from Wacken Phoenix, who has fortunately moved on from arty-fartsy hipster trash like her. Films like Joker are true art that often get misunderstood by filthy norms who watch MCU kiddie movies instead of challenging, thought-provoking keynote like Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. This is... I mean, it's obviously, like, strong satire, but I think it's 
relevant in that people take the importance of films to be way too way too serious it's it's an entertainment medium no one is suggesting that like people watch x factor and sort of go mental like it's just an example but reality tv sort of has an impact on people movies have an impact on people video games people there's always arguments online about our video games sort of um desensitizing the youth i think people are crazy can be crazy have always been crazy if someone was willing to sort of go and buy a gun and shoot people this film it's not going to have changed someone who wasn't willing to do that before to go sort of go and commit something heinous now um you i don't think that the art of this film can be degraded on the potentiality of it inspiring someone to do something bad because it's just sad that sort of people take these things so seriously um i'm not going to mess around and give it a rating with a different film it would be easy to give a recommendation or not here subject to everything i've talked about it's just not that simple if you're thinking about seeing it based on the hype alone you're setting yourself up to will be disappointed um and i mean if you have seen it i hope you sort of this discussion has mirrored some of your thoughts or challenged your perspective on it um and but from everyone i've spoken to that's seen it it was very different from what they expected the trailers were very strong um and i would say a more complete story than uh, in some cases than the film proposed well anyway but i really enjoyed uh chatting about it with you today thank you for listening i hope you've enjoyed and i'll be here next week with a different film to ramble about cheers thank you